0: The following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to Genesis chapter 2? We're going to read something incredibly powerful. Last week I spoke about the environment for miracles, which was... Who can tell me the environment for miracles is what? Expectation. expectation. Are you expecting God to do something? And so we, we studied the scriptures and we saw how expectation was the environment for miracles. This morning, I'm going to talk about the entry point to miracles. Last week was the environment for miracles. This week is the entry point to miracles. And so I'm going to show you this week what God expects for us to do to position ourselves for a miracle. And so let's, let's read together this amazing story in Genesis chapter 2. We'll read from verse 20, and this is what it says. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. So Adam had a problem. He wanted a helpmate, but there was no helpmate around. How many of you guys have got that problem right now? Okay, I'm encouraging you, uh, encouraging you right now. And uh, some of you girls need the encouragement as well. And so, so he looked and he couldn't find, he needed a miracle. And so God had the solution. And this is what it says in verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept. How many of you want God to give you a nice deep sleep? Just as long as it's not here in church this morning, okay? <laughs> Nobody gets a deep sleep in church, not while I'm preaching. Okay, and then it goes on and it says, And, uh, and he took one of his ribs... And closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. I find this story incredibly fascinating because in the book of Genesis. We see God, the creator, at work. And so God is able to create something out of nothing. That's called ex nihilo. And so when he spoke, let there be light, it came out of nothing. But then God created man out of the dust of the earth. And so he got the dust and he formed it together and he then made man and breathed into man the breath of life and God basically made man out of dust he could have done the same thing with the woman but he didn't so what God does he could have spoken and kaboom the woman would have come but he didn't notice what he did and this is you know uh, there's a little bit of extra biblical revelation here he goes to Adam and he says I want you to give me something I want to work with you to make this miracle happen. And Adam would have basically said, well, what do you want me to give you? And I think God would have said, I want something that's really close to your heart because I'm going to make someone who will stay close to your heart. Everybody go, ah. Oh. And, so, and, so, and so Adam, get get hold of this. Adam realizes that he had to give God his rib. Why? Because when it was done, he begins, his first comment is, this is bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh. I know where it's come from. I know that I, I actually contributed something to this miracle. Actually, this miracle was God doing something, but I had to do something as well. And so I really believe that right here, in the first two chapters of the Bible, what we see here is how God loves to partner with us to bring miracles. And so here's the challenge today. Here's the challenge. What is God asking of you for the miracle to happen? Is God asking of you something or are you just sitting there in your seat just waiting for it to happen? Just, Lord, whenever you want the miracle to happen, I'm just sitting here waiting. Or is there something that we can do? So I want to talk to you about the entry point to the miracle because I really believe that when we get to the end of what we can do, that's the beginning, the entry point of the miracle. And until we get to the end of what we can do, we don't actually get to the entry point of the miracle. Sometimes we're waiting for the miracle to happen here. And God is saying, now you've got a little bit further to go because you haven't got to the end of what you can do. Because at the end of what you can do is the entry point to the miracle. Let me give you a story. It was January, 1985. My father got a a terrible heart attack and uh, what had happened unbeknownst to us was that his aorta split and uh, he had this aneurysm of his aorta and the split in his aorta actually went from his heart down to his groin and so this thing was at explosion level, it had just you, I, I mean those of you that are doctors and medical people understand that the aorta has three levels of uh, of skin and uh, and so once the, the two of the the, the levels um, split you 've only got this one layer and it was like a balloon it was just about to explode and, uh, and so the doctors said we don 't know if we can save his life Well, they took him into the operating theater, and before they took him in, they said, we want to prepare you because we don't think, by looking at what we've seen, we don't think that your father will last. And I can still remember to this day, January 1985, what my mother and I said to the doctors. This is what we said. We said, we are people that believe in prayer we will do what we can do. You do what you can do. And together, we're going to see a miracle. And so my mother and I went to prayer. And what happened was when they opened my father up, he actually died on the operating table. This thing burst on the operating table. He died. They brought him back to life. Then they put this little shaft right at the top between the heart and the aorta to to let the blood flow. And that's, They said, well, it's taken, you know, it's like it's it's working, but we don't know if he's going to survive a day or two. We just don't know. And we kept praying, we kept praying, we kept praying. Well, after the operation, they couldn't believe that he survived. They ended up calling him the miracle man. And so then, you know, two weeks later, three weeks later, they basically said, well, we just don't understand how he survived, but understand this that even if he makes it home, he won't get past a year. This patch-up job that we did won't last a year. My father lasted 12 and a half years. In that 12 and a half years, he was able to see Christelle, our worship leader this morning, born, able to celebrate that. Stephen and Daniel were already born. He was actually able to walk my sister down the aisle when she got married. He was able to see her three children born. He was able to actually see all of his grandchildren born. He was able to walk my sister down the aisle, which was such a day. What an incredible day that was to walk my my sister down the aisle. And, uh, And then the last incredible event that he saw was the opening of this building in august of 1997 and within a month and a half of the opening of this building which was such a joy for him he went to be with jesus and i remember when, when 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 we got him dressed for the casket he was dressed in the very suit that he walked my sister down the aisle with the tie and matching hanky that i picked for him and put it all together the red tie the red matching hanky and we sent him off into glory but God gave him 12 and a half years because we did what we could do but when we got to the end it was the entry point to the miracle of God I want you to understand today that there's an entry point to your miracle and so there are three questions that we need to ask ourselves to find out where this entry point is, whether we got into to the end. Here's the first question. What have you got in your hand? What have you got in your hand? When, this is a beautiful story. Exodus chapter 4 verse 2. It's the story of the Exodus. It's the story of Moses being called to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt. How many of you saw the movie? How many of you enjoyed the movie? How many of you hated the movie? Well, let me tell you, if you're going to see the movie, don't expect too much biblical correlation because if you do, you're going to hate it. But if you're just going to go see a movie, you'll enjoy it. So it's okay. So here it is, Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. So the Lord said to Moses, what is that in your hand? What have you got in your hand? And Moses' response was, it's a rod. It was the rod of Moses. And God then says, cast it to the ground. So he cast it to the ground and God showed him that what he had in his hand, that if he gave it to God, God would transform it. And so then in verse 20, the actual name of the rod changes. In verse 2, it's the rod of Moses. When we go to verse 20, it says that Moses took his wife, his sons, and set them a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt, and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. God, when he gave what he had in his hand to God, it became God's. And when it became God's, It was totally transformed. See, while it was the rod of Moses, it just helped him to walk. It was just the rod of Moses and it helped him journey through life. It helped him get around. It helped him traverse mountains. It helped him maybe guide the sheep. But when he gave it to God, It became not the rod that helped him walk. It became the rod of miracles. It became the rod of the supernatural. And so what we see as we read the book of of, of Exodus is that the rod became the symbol of the miraculous of God. I found at least seven miracles that the rod brought. So one day God speaks to me and says, We're going to bring plagues to Egypt because Pharaoh won't let God's people go. So what we'll do is that we'll make sure that this thing gets transformed. So strike the river, the water with the rod. And as soon as he struck it with the rod, it turned to blood. Then another one, God says, okay, strike the dirt with the rod. And as soon as he struck the dirt with the rod, all of a sudden there was a plague of lice that went through Egypt. Then another time, God says, now stretch out your rod to the heavens. And as he did that, hail started to fall and hail that became a plague. Another one was stretch out your rod and a plague of locusts came. Then there was another one where, where where they got to the Red Sea and God said, stretch your rod over the sea. And how many of you know this story, that the sea parted through the miraculous intervention of the rod. Then there was another time where God says, get the rod and strike the rock the rock of Horeb. And as he struck the rock, the waters gushed that brought incredible relief to the nation as they they, uh, went about. And then there was this incredible story where, where Moses was on the mountaintop and Joshua and the children of Israel were fighting Amalek and the Amalekites. And whenever the rod was lifted to the heavens, then Joshua and the children of Israel prevailed. When the rod was dropped, the arms got weary. Then Amalek and the Amalekites prevailed. But as that rod was kept lifted up, the miracle of victory happened. I want to say this question. I want to pose this question to you. Because sometimes we actually despise what's in our hands. Sometimes we actually belittle what we've got in our hands. Sometimes we look at what we've got in our hands and say, it's only a walking stick. But when you give what you've got to God, it's the entry point to a miracle. What have you got in your hand? What have you got in your hand? What ability do you have? What talent do you have? What have you got in your hand? What is it that's natural to you? What is it that you can give to God? Because what you can give to God is the beginning point, is the entry point to a miracle. Let me tell you something that all of you can give to God. Let me tell you something you've all got in your hand. Are you ready for this? The one thing that you've all got in your hand is prayer. Every single one of you has got prayer. And I found this in James chapter 4 verse 2. The Bible tells us we have not because we ask not. I don't want to be at a point where God says the reason you didn't get the miracle is because you didn't pray. You didn't pray. You didn't persevere in prayer. You gave up too soon. Come on, every single one of us can do something. Have you gotten to the end of your prayer? Have you gotten to the end where you just can't pray anymore? Because once you get to that point, that's probably the entry point to the miracle. But while you can still pray, while you can still pray, while you can still do what you can do, then that's your part of the bargain. And God won't move until you've done what you can do. Now, let me just press pause for a second because God can do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do, however he wants to do. So please don't feel this morning that I'm giving you a, foul, a, a foul-proof formula that will work and there is no question about the fact that it will work every single time. I'm giving you principles from God's word. God can intervene and do whatever he wants, however he wants, whenever he wants. Just understand this, that we can't force the hand of God, but we can position ourselves for a miracle. So this is not about dictating to God and forcing him. This is about positioning yourself. So let's not get arrogant and command and demand things from God. God is God. He can do whatever He wants to do. But let me tell you, there is something powerful about positioning yourself. There is something powerful about getting to that place of perseverance. The Canaanite woman did it with her daughter. She positioned herself where Jesus was. And at first, there was no answer. At first, it's go away. At first, there was no response. But she so positioned herself in prayer. You can do this. I know you can. But I haven't come for you. I've come for the lost house of Israel. Yeah, but even even little puppies can eat the crumbs that come from the table. I'm positioning. I'm not leaving. I'm staying here. Oh, woman, great is your faith. You can have your miracle. How many of you know there's principles here? You can't demand, you can't force, but you can position yourself. What have you got in your hand? What have you got in your hand? That's the first question that you have to answer. The second question that you have to answer is this. What have you got in your house? What have you got in your hand? What have you got in your house? And this is the story in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 2, where this woman needed a miracle. She she'd run out of money. She would she's full of debts. The debtors were going to come and take her sons away. She goes to the prophet and says, Hey, listen, will you help me? And the question that Elisha asks is, What have you got in your house? And her response was this your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Isn't it amazing how we despise certain things? We even call them nothing. We call them insignificant. But that insignificant thing is the entry point to the miracle. She had no idea that this nothing thing was the entry point to the miracle. And the and the prophet says, great, you've got something, but it's nothing. It's just a jar of oil. That's what God needs. That's what God wants. It's the entry point. Get the jar. Matter of fact, go out and get vessels. You don't have many vessels, but find your neighbor's vessels, any vessel. Just bring them in. Just bring them in. And then start pouring the oil into all the vessels. And as she started to pour in that nothing oil, the thing that she despised it became the miracle that she needed because God caused the oil to keep pouring and pouring and pouring until all the vessels were filled and she cried out are there any more no there's no more vessels and as soon as she said there's no more vessels the oil stopped pouring she went to the prophet and said hey it's done he says "Well, sell all the oil pay your debts and whatever's left over keep for your family and I love that that God does a miracle above and beyond not only were her debts paid, but she had plenty left over for her and her kids. What have you got in the house? What have you got in the house? Don't despise what you've got in the house. Do you know what? I look around today and I'm, I'm just so thrilled at what we found in the house. When Anne and I arrived here, there was Gustav and Helena in the house. Just We're talking about refugees from Slovakia. Gustav was one of the original Bible smugglers. He would smuggle Bibles into Romania, into the Soviet bloc countries. And they found out his schemes and someone let him know that he was going to be arrested and jailed. And so they fled Slovakia, left their house, left their possessions, just ran with their lives to Australia and set up afresh in Australia. And so in 1996, when Anne and I arrived, what we found in the house was Gustav and Helena. And Gustav comes to me within a week or two of me arriving saying, Pastor John, we're going to build God a house. We're going to build God a house. And God spoke to me, I'm going to take a year off work and I'm going to help you build the house of God. And so, 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 so Gustav and his son Lubos, Lubos, you're around somewhere, at the back somewhere, Lubosh took a year off work. And they they helped us to build this incredible building that you're sitting in right now. You're here, but let me tell you something. The miracle wouldn't have happened if we hadn't discovered Gustav in the house. What a treasure. Come on, give Gustav a great (laughs) building. And Helen. And Boshi. And Boshi. And Boshi. Amazing. Then we built the building. We built the building and God said, we, this church is going to become a great missions church. And, and, and I'm looking outside of the house for a great missions pastor. I actually went to my, my pastor when I was a youth and we were talking about him becoming the missions pastor. But God says, no, you've got it in your house. Who have I got in my house to be the missions pastor? God spoke to me and said, Helen Rogers. Helen Rogers. Helen Rogers. Helen Rogers. She was working at DJ's as the complaints officer at the time. How many of you know the perfect job for Helen is the complaints office? What, you're complaining about that? Let me tell you about what you ought to be complaining about. Certainly not. (laughs) We had no idea. We had no idea. Helen Rogers. Helen Rogers. The, the mission, she's the one. So, so I, I, I went knocking at her door and I said, Helen, I've got a proposition for you. I want to pay you to spend money and pray. Are you interested in the job? <laughs> How many of you know that's the best way to win a woman's heart? Just, Huh? She had no idea what the future held. But as we launched out, Since 1998, we've been able to send 43 missionaries out of our church. We've been able to plant literally thousands of churches, raise over $6 million for missions because we found something in the house, in the house and raised it up and released it. What have you got in your hand? What have you got in the house? And here's the third one what have you got in your heart? What have you got in your heart? This is what it says in Psalm 37 verse four. I love this. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, I was trying to work out, I was trying to work out what this verse really means. Because there's almost two ways of reading this verse. And we we only ever read it one way, that God will give you the desires of your heart. But there's another way of reading it. And the other way of reading it is if you delight yourself in the Lord, He will actually put the desires in your heart. So, So sometimes, see, because I'm telling you, when God puts a desire in your heart, that will definitely come to pass. And we've got to discern... Between the desires of our heart and the delusions of our heart. Because there are desires that God puts there. And there are delusions that we put there. And when you read James chapter 4 verse 2 and 3, you say, you have not because you ask not. And then in verse 3 it says, and some of you have not because you ask amiss. And so yeah, you've got desires, but those desires are for your own pleasures. Pleasures. And so what are the delusions of our heart? The delusions of our heart are our own self-centered, egotistical, pleasure, lustful ambitions that are all me-centered rather than God-centered. But when you delight yourself in God and you actually get into the presence of God, he puts desires in your heart. And when he puts desires in your heart, they will come to pass. They will come to pass. What desires has he put into your life? I, I can still remember just as a young man preparing myself for ministry, praying, God, I need a helpmate that will help me accomplish the will of God. God put this incredible desire in my heart that ended up being focused on this young lady called Anne Morgan. She was stupendous every time i'd see a walk past my heart would leap and i'd say this is above and beyond all i could ask to think is it possible lord is it possible and so i waited for months i wait i, I spiritualized it you know basically i had to study and focus on god but then the other side of it was that I was scared spitless to ask her out in case she said no. You know how many of you don't understand that? So I worked out a scheme on on even if she said no, I wouldn't be so hurt. But the point is this. This is the point. Is that sometimes God desire puts a desire in our heart, but if we don't act on it, it just stays there. Nothing happens to it. And so if I hadn't actually positioned myself to court and to do whatever that desire would never have been accomplished. And thirty-four years later, I still look at her and my heart misses a beat. I still, I still thank God and I say, God, you you have blessed me beyond measure with the perfect helpmate for me. I couldn't have wished for, I couldn't have picked anything that anyone that that would have come close to helping me accomplishing the god dream but how many of you know that with the desire that god puts there there's something that you've got to do to make it happen are you doing what god has placed in your heart to make happen god 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 puts things in your heart what are you doing to make it happen God God put in my heart a long, long time ago, television ministry. He put that desire in my heart, television ministry. Well, that's just, that, that can seem so arrogant, but it wasn't about me. It was about blessing others. It was, God, we want to put on a television ministry where we never ask for money where we never, ever put on this appeal. You know, please give us... And if you, if you give us money, we'll give you a prayer cloth from, from Israel and all this sort of stuff that goes on. It's like we just want to bless people. And you know what? We've been on television now for 12 years never asked for a cent. And people send us money. I can't believe it. It's like When it comes, it's like we weren't expecting that. But what we do expect is for God to pay for it. We don't expect other people to pay for it. We just expect God to do it, and He does it. What an amazing thing. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials.